You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Mavericks. They'll get off a good shot. And Smith trying to get the ball into Barnes. Barnes a three at the buzzer. He banked it in. Mavericks have won it. What an improbable win for Harrison Barnes and the Mavericks. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com. And I am joined by Josh Bowe, writer at MavsMoneyBall.com. Josh, my first question to you is, were you happy or sad that Harrison Barnes banked in that buzzer beater? You know what? I'm happy. You know, they've, I know they're, they're a tanking team. Everyone wants them to tank. And they're going to lose a lot of games. And tonight doesn't really change that. So why not get a feel-good win uh, so your locker room doesn't feel crappy for an entire month and things don't feel so depressing. You know, every now and then, even a team that only wins 30, 35 games, you need moments like this to kind of push you through the season, especially uh, for Smith uh, Jr. So he can keep staying engaged and not develop, you know, losing habits. So I'm fine with it. It was fun. Oh, um, I'm more than fine with it. I love it. I want the Mavericks to tank. I, I wish that they would lose more games, and yet it was still awesome. It's just one of those things in sports where like, rooting for a team to tank is so difficult if you're either covering the team or if you're a fan of the team because just that little piece of fandom in you just comes out, and you go, man, like that win was so fun. I was falling asleep during the first half. I was literally sitting here, and I was like, oh, man, I just – if they lose by 20 or 30 again, I what am I going to talk about tonight? What am I going to even, you know, what am I going to write about the next week or so? What you know, what are we even going <laughs> to say put on our site and stuff like that? And then this win comes out of nowhere. And I mean literally nowhere. The Mavericks were down by 18 at one point. And they come back to beat the Grizzlies in Memphis 95 to 94. And this ending, if you guys didn't watch this ending, just go back and watch it. <laughs> it is definitely worth watching. I said that last pod about the the Celtics game, but the Mavericks have had some really good fourth quarters and second halves this year. They've just been been really entertaining to watch. What did you see in the in the fourth quarter that just like piqued your attention and that you loved? Uh, I love that the guys mainly doing it were guys that are going to be on this team. You know, hopefully in the next four years, you know, it was mainly Barnes and Dennis Smith was on the floor. Uh, those guys were playing really well. Um, I know Bray got a lot of minutes tonight, but he wasn't taking a lot of the shots down the stretch. So it just felt, I think that's why this feels better than, it, you know, for a tanking team to get a win like this. Because, you know, Barnes hits the game winner. Smith plays all of crunch time, uh, plays big minutes late in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know he had you know, a couple of bad decisions he had a bad pull-up jumper but you know hey that's why he's on the floor you learn how to get through scenarios like that so the next time he's playing crunch time in a close game and he'll know what to do next time so that was the thing that i liked the most about the fourth quarter was just it wasn't like dirk was bailing him out or berea or you know even wes you know wes didn't really hit a lot of shots tonight you know it was just good to see that that they can get you know if guys are winning 
games and they're the guys that they're going to try to build the team around for the next four years, that's not really a big deal. You know, like if they're, if they're a bad team and it's Berea and it's Devin Harris and they're putting up, you know, 20 shots total combined and they're, you know, they're kind of hijacking the offense a little bit. That's where it kind of gets real frustrating. But if the guys that are going to be here for the next four years are helping them win, you know, isn't that the whole point? Like, that's the point of this. So that's fine. Oh, com- that, that's what felt good. Completely, completely. I In the first half, Dennis Smith Jr. had nine points, and, you know, I tweeted that out, and people were responding like, oh, my gosh, how is this possible? Fire Rick Carlisle, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, chill out. Who are you going to get besides Rick Carlisle? And the so I, I then I posted the score. It was fifty six to thirty nine. Dallas was down when Dennis Smith Jr. played nine minutes in the first half, and then the second half, Dennis Smith Jr. played nine played eighteen minutes, and the Mavericks outscored the Grizzlies fifty six to thirty eight. It like literally flipped the score, like like just basically flipped it in the second half, and it was on the like you said on the backs of of Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes, and uh, you know Yogi Yogi, and then those guys. And you got you got to love it. <laughs> and yeah. also, you and then g- even oh, sorry, just to say, then even Powell had some good minutes. And I know gasp. I'm not a gasp. Big, I think everyone knows I'm not a big Dwight Powell guy. I don't think anyone who is a big Dwight Powell fan at this there, point. If you're still a big really. Dwight Powell fan, and I know a couple, and they're females, and they don't really have that much interest in like physical basketball. Uh, there's another physical aspect that they enjoy, but. Besides them, I don't know if anyone's a Dwight Powell fan right now. Yeah, and, <laughs> like he's got a, he's got a lot of holes in his game, obviously, but he does one thing really well, and he's a really good rim runner. And this team needs that desperately because with their starting lineup with Kleber and Dirt, none of those guys are rim rollers. Barnes, when he sets a screen, he kind of likes to pop out God. and work a mismatch. You know, and then Sala is okay, but he doesn't get enough minutes, and he's just not as fast as Powell. Like when Powell's in the game, the team plays a different style, and they get a lot more open shots because he's rolling down the lane, and teams have to account for that. They have to try to bump them. They have to try to help off uh, help off shooters on the weak side. Like it just makes a difference. And yeah, he's going to give up some layups because you know he's got he's basically like a mop when he's, you know, or a broomstick <laughs> trying to defend the rim. So like, he, that's going to happen. And, you know, he's going to get pushed out of some boards, but like, you know, you've got, they already signed him for, they've got him for like two or three more years. So like, you might as well play him and he does one <laughs> thing well, like milk that for all it's worth. And they kind of did a good job with that tonight. Yeah. We got him. We might as well just play him. <laughs> I'll just throw him out there. Uh, Josh, if if only the Mavericks had like a really good rim runner that was just sitting on the bench that also could defend the rim and you know, oh, I know, right? do uh, do other things like that. But we won't talk about him. He got uh some nice he got some nice minutes in the first half. Good lord, Dude, I think the first like he got on the floor and the first thing that happened was he finished a lob dunk and then yeah, then he went back to the bench. <laughs> less than four minutes. We're talking about Nerlens Noel. Uh, less than four minutes for him, and he got it in the first half and then second half. Yeah, that's fine. Nothing. I know I've been ranting and raving on the site about him all year, but I'm kind of over it. Like, it's kind, of, it's kind of done, right? Like, there's not really much else to talk about. It's pretty clear the Mavs have made their decision of what they think about him for their future. You know, maybe there's a chance if he, some, if he stays with the team through the trade deadline, like maybe they eventually just give him some minutes when they're finally officially, like, eliminated from the playoffs, but... Like, it's done. It's over. They don't think he's a part of their team. They don't think he's a part of their future, and they don't want him, and we'll just see if they're wrong next year. Unless they're just really, like, going the 
ultimate petty wop, like just really going after it. And they are just downgrading his value so much. And then they sign him this summer, unless that's what they're doing, unless they're going so petty, like Tom Petty yeah, but, level that they just yeah. want to, you know, to do that to Nerlens. But if they, if that's what their plan is, like if you're Noel, like when you just go, when it like not even matter, you just want to be anywhere else than the team that kind of screwed you out of, you know, increasing your value. That's, I what, that's kind of the counter, I guess. I don't know what Nerlens thinks about his about his yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know either. That's a mystery. So another thing that I found fascinating about this game, the Mavericks only won one quarter. They they only won the third quarter and ended up winning this game, which the third quarter has been a subplot that we've talked about the last you know few games or so, that they've had positive quarters the last three games, I think. I think I saw Bobby Corrala tweet that. It was like nine points, 10 points, and, and 19 points, I think, were the last three third quarters. And those have been against some pretty good teams too. But uh, they've really turned that, that side of the ball around, the, the on not the side of the ball, but they've really turned the third quarters around. Yeah, and that was all Smith too. So that was another nice part about it. He hit, I think he scored uh, 11 points in the third, hit three threes, uh, which was nice. And a lot of them kind of came in the flow of the offense. He wasn't just kind of freelancing and, and taking ISO jumpers. They were coming in pick and rolls. They were coming in spot up, uh, spot up shots. So, you know, that was nice. And he was a big part of it. Dirk hit a three. Um, you know, if Smith can be aggressive and if he can get teams to honor his three-point shot because, his, you know, the reason why he got those open threes was because teams are still playing way under him on the pick and roll. There's, I mean, and rightfully so. So, you know, if he keeps having nights like tonight, eventually they're going to creep up and he'll have more space to kind of blow by uh, defenders and try to get to the rim more. Please tell me that's a dog or an animal and not a child in the background. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's not even in our part. That's like in the hallway or something. So I apologize. Uh, no, I'm glad it's not my dog. Isaac and I's dog always makes noise during the podcast. Yeah. People can people can attest. It's my impossible. dog, he just has this chew toy sometimes. He's sleeping now, but sometimes he has this chew toy, and he'll just like squeak it the whole time, and I'm running to try to, to, try to grab it from him, and Isaac just has to vamp <laughs> the whole time. So – we enjoyed the stuff from from Dennis Smith Jr. in the third quarter. Really gave them a boost. I thought at the beginning of this game that this was going to be one of those games where you just let Dennis Smith Jr. shoot like 25 shots and throw a whole bunch of crazy passes and didn't end up being that. And Carlisle held him out. Those nine minutes he played in the, in the first half, do you think, and I think there's something to this, if you sit out and you're watching your team play, I mean, we've seen Chris Paul jump right back into you know the Rockets and just play incredibly. That time, I think, sitting on the bench, and Ben Simmons has also seen this too, and Joel Embiid, you've seen these guys sit on the bench for a long time, watch their team, and I think that helps. It's almost like you know film work, just watching your team, seeing how guys play, seeing how guys operate, especially for a point guard, just looking at where guys want the ball, seeing where they try to take their shots. I think that's really effective, and sometimes when Dennis Smith Jr. sits, I think it might be good for him at some points. Yeah, uh, that's a good theory. I kind of like that idea because – he definitely seems like the kind of guy, like he seems like a Rick Carlisle like type personality. So he seems like the kind of guy that when he gets sent to the bench, he's not necessarily going to kind of pout or think about, you know, the mistakes he made in a way of, you know, to kind of get him down and get him out, out of focus from the game. He seems like a dude that when he gets to the bench, all he's thinking about is how can I get better? And yeah, that's a good perspective. You know, that's the best, 
you know, it's the best view on the court. You know, it's been, you know, when you're watching tape, it's kind of different. When you're on the floor, you can kind of maybe get a better feel for certain things that, you know, maybe the tape provides a better view, but when you're on the court, maybe just, it's just a different feeling. So I can, I can buy into that theory. It's just as long as those minutes that he's sitting on the bench watching and learning aren't, you know, the last five minutes of a close game or something like that while <laughs> Beret is running 18 pick and rolls or something. Yeah. No, even some of those I might be okay with, but I just think that it's good for you to just watch and to see. And I think that, you know, I do think that, like you said, Dennis is a guy that is, you know, watching the game. He's not a guy that's going to sit on the bench and go like, you know, do what a rod did and go like, you know, point at women in the, in the stands and like yeah. <laughs> ask for their numbers and things. Didn't he do that with the Rangers? Oh, I, I'm sure that happened. I can't, I try to block that era of Rangers baseball from my head. So a lot of that is just like dead brain cells. Yeah. But then, but then Dennis comes back. He has that big third quarter. Uh, also we got random Antonius Cleveland minutes in the first, in the first half. That, Why not, man? I guess. Dude, they got, they got like 18 point guards on this roster. They got to play someone that's taller than six, four. And that's not a center. Like it's just, they just have to do it, like even if they don't want to. So, oh, poor Jeff Withy, poor Jeff Withy. The guy, the guy's never getting off the bench. I know. Well, yeah, they've got they've got eighteen point guards and fifteen centers, and it's just like this big log jam. And then they're kind of left playing lineups that are both too big and too small at the same time, which <laughs> exactly. seems like impossible. Yeah, it's a for- They got a forklift of centers, is what yes, Carlisle sir. likes to call it. Other things from this game. The uh, uh, the bench points, Memphis's bench, man. They 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 come up with these bench lineups, and you just you look at them and you just say, I mean, there's a couple times I saw people say, I don't even recognize any of these guys on the floor. I mean, <laughs> they're throwing out like Deontay Davis had a really good game tonight. Tyreek Evans has arisen has risen from the grave to come back. Ben Backlamore showed up out of nowhere, and you're just like these guys. Drell Martin, who had started for them previously, they just throw these guys out there, and you're like, I don't even know. <laughs> like who these guys are and they're going out there and scoring man it's crazy how they get these guys yeah i feel like that's been like the last like three years with memphis especially that one year where they had all the injuries and they still made the playoffs oh yeah they had the most players ever they had all the different you know injury exceptions you could get and then some they like set the record for most players on a team yeah so they just they know how to do that i guess they just know how to find guys like that but uh man tyreek evans he's exactly like the kind of guy that I wish like the Mavs had on their roster instead of like a Berea or something, just a big guard that can, that can dribble, get into the paint, not be a liability necessarily in the defensive end. Not saying he's like a great defender, but just his size alone puts him in a different level compared to, you know, your Yogi's and your Berea's, you know, just because he's not going to get shot over as easily. So, you know, that's kind of, I'm kind of envious of that. Dude, this Davis dude, where did this guy come from? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know where. Yeah, where did he go to school? Fourteen points in fifteen minutes. Why didn't he play more? He didn't really play toward the end of the game. I, I know that that was a weird thing to me. Also, yesterday I was watching the uh, the Lakers Bulls game, and and the Bulls had this guy named uh, Blakely or something. He comes out and scores like fifteen points, and or he scored like fifteen points in in eight minutes or something like that, and he doesn't play again. <laughs> You're just like, wait a minute, what happened to this guy? That's like not playing Jeremy Lin when you know when he was killing it for the for the Knicks. But let me push back on that Tyreek Evans thing because that was some talk during the summer as people were saying, let me let's get Tyreek Evans. 
Tyreek Evans is one of those guys that he comes in and he is your offense and he is going to be, you know, the guy when he comes off the bench, it's just, it's his way or the highway. So he had 18 points tonight. He had nine boards, which is cool. Uh, but then seven assists and six turnovers. So that assist to turnover ratio, not super great. And I think that he would take the ball away from, from Dennis even more than JJ does, which is, (laughs) I mean, Oh yeah, JJ yeah, does. JJ would. does already, but I I don't think they. I would rather have Ben Macklemore than him because of the the position that they play. Because you're not putting Tyreek Evans as a three and playing him out there. You, he's coming in. He's literally going to be like your bigger point guard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's just I'm so thirsty for a dude on this <laughs> roster to be between the, like taller than six four and like anybody six, four and six eight. Yeah, that's why I like dude. Throw Antonius Cleveland, give him 15 minutes. I don't care, and. Yeah, Evans would definitely probably stunt the growth of Smith a little bit because, like you said, when he when he's in the game, it's 100 miles an hour, high usage rate, throwing up wild-ass shots. He hit two or four three-pointers because, of course, I feel like he always <laughs> hit, he hits a good percentage of threes against the Mavs. Like, it's his destiny. Even though I guess he's shooting threes pretty well this year, improving there, but... Yeah, I'm just. I just wish the Mavs just had some more wings, and that's kind of why. Like, I look at Evans. I look at the Grizzlies roster as a whole. Like, they just got a lot of big, like players. Like, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, even Chalmers isn't necessarily tiny, you know, and Parsons and this and Brooks and Ennis and Evans and Mclemore. Like, they're not playing a lot of short guys, and I think that's kind of what made it tough for the Mavs at times to score, you know, especially early in the game when they got down big. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm always envious of teams that can throw out you know a lot of switchable, rangy, lengthy wings. Yeah, the exact opposite of what the Mavericks went out and got this summer. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. Man, that it their roster still sometimes just does not make sense to me. Uh, what else in this team are, are you looking at uh, beside outside of this game? What things are you are you thinking about with this team? What things are frustrating you? Let me let me give you a moment here to rant about something. Oh man, I don't know if I'm that mad. I think the most thing that's only really made me mad lately is kind of following up about being envious that there's not enough wings. It it just seems so obvious when they decided to keep Gian Clavel for the last two way spot. Hmm. It just even though he earned he he definitely earned it. He played really well in the preseason. He probably played the best of any of those end of the roster guys in the preseason. Don't you so say like, anything bad about Driverson. Josh, Josh, I swear I will end this Skype call hey, right he's now. Fine. He's nothing wrong with him, but it's just his place on the roster. Like as soon as they signed him, I went, they're going to cut him because someone's <laughs> going to like Finney Smith's going to get hurt or Barnes is going to tweak an ankle because he plays 40 minutes a game and guards centers. Like, you know, he's going to yeah. get worn out. And I knew that they were going to need a wing. And I knew that he was the odd man out. And it's like, you know, when you've got that roster imbalance, why, you know, they've got Harris, Brea, Smith, uh, Yogi, and then, you know, Wes is kind of a, he plays forward, but he's kind of a guard too. You know, what? where was Clavel getting minutes? I know he played a little bit when Harris was hurt, but even then he didn't play a lot because they still had Brea, they still had Smith, they still had Yogi. So it just seemed like not the best use of resources. And instead, they could have kept Dozier, who's younger than Cleveland and probably is going to end up being better. I don't, I don't think Dozier is doing much in the Thunder. They're the Thunder pick come up like immediately after the Mavs let him go. And he's wearing Katie's so like, old number. That's all I know yeah, that's about right. him. Yeah, that's the most, probably the most noteworthy thing he'll 
probably do in his career. (laughs) Oh, poor kid. But, but, you know, just why not keep him on the roster and get him comfortable, get him reps, so when this moment happens, instead of throwing in a guy that you just signed off the street, you know, I'm sure Cleveland is doing his best, but they could have just at least had someone that's familiar, you know, a little more familiar. just seemed like not a good use of resources when you consider where the roster was at the time. Even though, like I said, Clavel totally earned it. He played really well in the preseason, so can't knock him. He did well. He did his, he did his job. All right, you clarified that just enough for me to not be mad at you for yeah. sit bashing I'm not mad at Jefferson. Mad at, you know, just the decision-making that went behind it. I don't understand why it wasn't Jeff Withy. He still has a non-guaranteed contract. I don't understand why he wasn't the odd yeah, man out. That dude, yeah, that's you. He's not getting any minutes at all. I, don't, I just don't know why he's on the team. Yeah, and you know what's really funny was, you know, there was some chirping when uh, I think you wrote about this when the when Withy signed, and some people thought, oh, he's gonna like play like he's gonna play over Noel or like something like that. And Noel's not playing, and Withy's not playing either. Like he's been <laughs> yeah. a to- like it's funny. Like he's even that wild ass conspiracy theory. Like he's given like Noel's not playing, and he's still not getting a chance. So. Yeah, there yeah. was a, there was this whole thing. I think I think I did write about that where it was uh, people were like, "Oh, they signed Jeff Withy so that they, you know, when they don't play Nerlens Noel, like he's going to take away Nerlens Noel's minutes." It's like, yeah, exactly. Know, it didn't happen either way. And I was like, that it has not. I said signing Jeff Withy has nothing to do with Nerlens Noel, and it didn't. <laughs> and it still yeah. it still doesn't. And yeah. hey, remember when Jeff Withy hit like three threes in preseason? <laughs> yeah, he's got a good looking stroke. Apparently, that's like all he does during practice. Like every time I see like when they show like kind of the B-roll of mass practice or a shoot around or something like he's, he's oh, just always shooting jumpers making it happen. Well, he saw Brooke Lopez and he's like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. He can be white. Brooke Lopez. Maybe. Is Brooke Lopez not white? No. What are they? I mean, I'm not gonna overstep my bounds here, <laughs> but I definitely know. That Googles Brooke it Lopez real quick. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Uh, anything else? Let's see. Maxi Kleber getting another start. This starting lineup is is kind of interesting to me because it doesn't really maximize. I don't know. It doesn't. It maximizes the three point shooting, I guess. But and even so, Maxi isn't getting. He's not getting a ton of three point shots off. He didn't get any off tonight, and yeah. he doesn't play after the beginning of the first half and the second half either. It's happened the last couple of games that he's started where Carlisle will play him at the beginning. He'll play him, I don't know, six, five or six minutes or so, take him out. Then he won't come back until the beginning of the second half where he'll play again like another six, you know, five, six minutes, and then he'll just get, get benched again and never come back. I, I don't understand that rotation scheme, and maybe it's just preserving a bench unit, but like <laughs> – I don't know. I just don't, I think it's, I don't get it. He's like the big man version of Deshaun Stevenson when Stevenson was here uh, for the title year, kind of. Like Stevenson kind of – Stevenson obviously had more of an impact on that team. but like, Yeah, but minutes-wise. Yeah, like same thing. It would be he would start start games, Terry would come in, and then he wouldn't see the court again pretty much till halftime, and then he would start third quarter, and then you know Terry would close games out. I guess it's – I wonder if it's A, it gives Barnes a break guarding bigs, you know, he knows he's still going to have to do it for a lot of his minutes, but he can at least start, you know, the first five minutes of each half and not have to worry about it and let Dirk and Cleaver guard the bigs. And then after that, you know, it's, 
I think it just sets up, maybe it just sets up the rotation better. Carlo maybe likes going to Pal. I don't think he, he doesn't want to start Pal. He doesn't really want to start Salah. I think he likes. It's not a principle. Likes, he just doesn't want to start Pal out of principle. Yeah. I think he just likes Pal and Salah going up against other backups so that they can, they're like their energy guys, they're total. Like we got to yeah. get on the floor and change the way the game's going. When they come on and when they come in the game against second units, they have a better chance of doing that. Like if Pal's starting against Gasol's, the Gasol's and the DeAndre's and the Anthony David, like it's, it's harder for him to kind of let his best assets kind of run wild a little bit. Like he's better feasting on second units. So Kleber's kind of like throwing the wolves, just <laughs> let's get us through the first parts of these quarters and then we'll kind of settle in when other teams make their rotations. I guess that's the only thing I can really think of. But he's not been, like, terrible. Like, no. He's not, he's not embarrassing himself, so at least there's that. No, he's he's playing pretty solid, and I'm, I'm a maxi guy. I think he's a, I think he's a good player. I think he's an NBA player for sure. But... He's sneaky athletic. I have no idea he was that athletic. <laughs> is that because he's white? There, we've talked too much about race on this podcast. So. No, he just, well, he just <laughs> when he's been on the floor, like, until that Spurs game, he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't move around a lot. Like, just hadn't really seen, hadn't really got a chance to kind of see what he had. Yeah, he just, he sort of just takes, and his jumper too doesn't really, when you when you watch it, you don't think that, like, oh, that guy's athletic. <laughs> you don't yeah, think like that he yeah, barely gets of, any lift off of it. He, you know, his feet barely lift off the ground at all. Right. Yeah, that's kind of kind of what I mean. So you're you're saying with the, this rotation with with Kleber, they're basically sacrificing Dirk's adult son to the to the starting units. Yeah, like just and just give Barnes a break. Like even if it's just a little bit, like Kleber's playing. The thir- he played 13 minutes tonight. You know, that's 13 minutes. Barnes isn't guarding. You know, power forward or center, and all those minutes help helps keep him fresher for down the stretch. And, you know, I think that's a big, I, I would think that would be a big part of it. Cause I know Barnes, you know, he'd been in the locker room too. You know, Barnes talks about it and he talks about how much it can wear on him. And I don't, you know, I don't think he, he doesn't necessarily like it. So <laughs> I think it helps. I don't know if anybody likes playing up a position. I mean, Wes Matthews <laughs> yeah, was complaining about it last year. And then you have Paul George who like refused to play the four for the, for the Pacers. And then oh, Harrison yeah. Barnes and man, all over no the place. Go in the paint, it's, dude. It's brutal. Like you get banged around. Like you wake up and you're, you know, sore than a normal. I mean, it's a normal NBA game. Like I'm sure that's all part of it. Yeah. Every time I play an NBA game, I'm, I'm more sore when I have to play in the paint. Then. Oh yeah, sure. We got to preserve you for the fourth quarter. Got to, got to keep me fresh for the fourth. Speaking of the fourth quarter, so this game ended four different times. I think <laughs> this game ended. And oh, yeah. like on, I was I was following the the score and the stats on the NBA app, and it said final ninety two ninety two, and then all of a sudden it was like there's time left, and then it was like final ninety four ninety two, and then it was like final. Though finally, what it ended in ninety five ninety four. Oh uh, yeah, because you had the so it was ninety two ninety two. Looked like it was going to end, then all of a sudden, uh, who took the layup, and then. I can't remember who took the layup, but then Jermichael Green came up and, and dunked it afterwards, and everybody was calling basket interference. As soon as it hit the rim, uh, Mark Falwell was like, it's basket interference, the basket doesn't count. And then he totally overshot that because that's not what ended up happening. They ended up counting it. There was .5 left, and then Harrison Barnes got his shot got his shot off at the end there. Uh, man, <laughs> what, a, what an end to that game. Yeah, that was wild ass, especially Barnes' shot, like just looking at it. <laughs> He just had like no, because you know, you just had to get it up, you know, out of his hands so quick. Like there was no form, you know. He said after the, I 
caught a little bit of his post game and he was just kind of like, yeah, it was just a prayer. Just kind of threw it up and, <laughs> you know, just totally not indicative of maybe like him being like a total crunch time guy, but it was still fun. Glad he tried, you know, it needed to happen to Barnes too, especially after that Boston game. I feel like that helps him a lot. Oh yeah. This is huge for confidence. And to, to comment about that, the clutch comment that you just made it Harrison Barnes in 31 uh, crunch time minutes or clutch time minutes, which is like within five points under five minutes to play. He's shooting 50% from the floor and 50% from three. And that was before tonight's game. So it was probably even more than that. Uh, so he is actually a really good, you know, clutch player, especially yeah. this season. Yeah. When he gets, cause he's just so good at getting to the spots that he likes and you know, he's so efficient from his little pet spots around the elbow and on the wing. And he's doing it, and he's doing a really good job getting to the rim. I thought tonight he had a couple of really nice paint buckets, and I thought they were kind of huge. He didn't get to the free throw line a ton, only five, but you know, I thought a lot of you know he had a good amount of makes in the paint, and I feel like it's a conscious effort. The next step will be, of course, he kind of gets a little tunnel vision when he's going to the paint, so that'll be kind of the next step of him picking out shooters as teams kind of adjust to to him improving there. But it's still good to see. There was one player that led the Mavericks in minutes in the fourth quarter. If you had to guess which player that was, who would you say? Uh, was it Smith? It was Dennis Smith Jr. was second with 10 minutes and 41 seconds played. This is all according to NBA.com. Okay. Uh, There's another player that played more than him. Was it Sala? <laughs> it was not Sala. Yogi Ferrell played 11 oh, right. minutes and 32 seconds in the fourth quarter. Basically the entire fourth quarter. Carlisle has been really relying on Yogi in the fourth quarter. And uh, I sort of find it endearing, but then there are times when you're like, ah, oh, why is Yogi out there? Like when Kyrie Irving backed him down and, and you know, <laughs> got him in the post. But, but Yogi has, has definitely earned Carlisle's trust in a lot more ways than one. Yeah, and he didn't. he wasn't necessarily great tonight but he he doesn't make a lot of like killer like killer plays like you don't see him with a lot of live ball turnovers like Kyrie might you know he might get posted up by a bigger guard but he's not gonna like uh throw it away in the pick and roll and you know lead to a fast break dunk or fast right. break points so I guess that's part of it and hey he's one of the he's one of the young guys you know he's in his second year you know we kind of talk about Let's rely more on the guys that are going to be on this team in the next two to three years and not, you know, Harris and Berea and Dirk and, and Wes. And, you know, if we're going to bitch and moan about that, if, you know, with Farrell's minutes, you know, you can't really complain, you know, even though it's just so tough for him with his size. Like, there's just some things he just can't do. But, yeah. you know, I, I like seeing him get burned. I like, like, I just, I don't know, I like the way he plays. He shoots a lot of pull-up jumpers, but, you know, he's usually pretty good at him, so... Yeah, I'm okay with it. And he's usually super open on those jumpers too. I, I saw a couple yeah. of those and you're like, ah, oh, that seems forced, but there's no one around him. And you know, he's a really good jump shooter, really good catch and shoot shooter. So yeah, I mean, he's got to keep taking them. I mean, he, he only took two shots in the fourth and he made one of them. So 50% there and then two assists, one turnover. Um, other than that, but yeah, the most, the most minutes in the, in the fourth quarter there thought that that was crazy. Even Harrison yeah. Barnes, even Harrison Barnes didn't play that much. Um, there you go. That is the game tonight. It was exciting. 
The Mavericks no longer have the worst record in the NBA that belongs to the Atlanta Hawks now. Uh, if you guys have been listening since day one and you listen to my talk with uh, Chris Axman, he and I had an argument on this podcast about how the Hawks would be good, and I said, no, there's no way. So <laughs> now that the Hawks have the worst record in the NBA finally, I can feel good about that prediction of mine. Other predictions that you guys have listened to have been terrible, but... <laughs> <laughs> Mavericks now four and fifteen. Josh, parting words. Uh, that was fun. I'm glad we don't have to like look at the existential like despair of being a team that never wins any games. Like you know, give them give them a fun win every now and then. I think it helps their sanity and ours. <laughs> Definitely helps our sanity. Man, yeah. I skipped a podcast this week because I was so depressed after the Mavericks lost a really bad game. So yeah, I mean, yeah, just. Not a lot to talk about when the games go the same way over and over again. So over and over again. And I'm not ready to watch college basketball. I've not super embraced it yet, even though DeAndre Ayton had a great game tonight in a loss. Dude, that dude has to be like 25. He is something I, else, man. I have no idea how you can be like that physically built at 18 or whatever. That's insane. He's I am going to knock on wood, and I just did it with my phone, but I'm going to do it again, that – he looks like Greg Oden at times in like in just his physicality and how he looks where Greg Oden came out and he looked 45 when he got drafted. I think DeAndre Ayton kind of has a little bit of that. Yeah. Like I have no idea how good he's going to be in the NBA. Cause I just don't want watch enough college to kind of tell. And he's like such a traditional, like big, like I don't really know how good of a shooter he is. He just seems like kind of guy that's going to just get dunks and layups and, and putbacks and kind of garbage points. But God, he's so, he, he's just a monster. <laughs> I haven't seen a dude like that in college in a while, like that filled out already. It's crazy. So that's something to look forward to. Also Donkic. Oh yeah. But, Hell yeah. I'm on the Donkic train. <laughs> we got the Donkic, the Donkic something. We got to come up with something else. The Donkic dart. How about the dart? All right, that's fine. Although the dart's <laughs> kind of garbage, so I don't know if we want to associate that with him. Well, he, as long as he just gets it to where gets Donkic to where he needs to be, Donkic. Yeah, that's fair. There you go. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavericks. You can follow Josh Bo. What is your Twitter handle? Bowman55. Bowman55. You can follow me at Nick Van Exit. You can follow Isaac. He is still in the Amazon jungle, which is why Josh is joining us tonight. Oh, excellent. He's, he's literally in the Amazon. He's been texting me. Um, from there, his wife is from Brazil, and so they're visiting her grandparents that literally live in the Amazon. So, Oh, damn, that's badass. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Continue to subscribe, rate the podcast, and uh, go read Josh on Mavs Moneyball. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>